Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studio at Lambeau Field. Wes, Packers Vikings at Lambeau Field Sunday. It'll be a noon Central Time kickoff, 5-1 and one versus 1-5. One and five. But as we say, certainly in division rivalries and in the border rivalry, as this one is often called, you can forget about those numbers. This is a, this is an interesting one because the Packers, it's a game, obviously, they're going to be expected to win. The Vikings, they're coming off their bye week. There's been some turmoil and whatnot. They've, you know, they traded away one of their best defensive players. Who was but that defensive is, player, Mike? What's that? Who was that defensive player? Yannick Ngakwe. Close, unique, but it was unique. Close. Yeah. Sorry, see, I fortunately got the first we, only had to, we had to worry about that for the all of one game. Yeah. just for the record. Yeah. Okay. You got Ngakwe right though. Yeah. Well, I, that's the one I've been working yeah. on. <laughs> Sorry to so, put you on the spot. But Ngakwe no longer with the Vikings. He's been traded away. Daniil Hunter, the other star pass rusher, is out for the season after neck surgery. This Vikings defense, Wes. It's not the Vikings defense that we've seen in the past, and they've got they've got a cornerback issue right now. Two of their top four corners, Holton Hill and Mike Hughes, are on the injury report right now, and a third cornerback, rookie Cameron Dantzler, the third round pick, is on the COVID reserve list. Yeah. This is this is going to this is going to be an interesting matchup to see just exactly what Vikings team, especially defensively, is on the field Sunday. Exactly, and, and you laid it out perfectly, uh, particularly with the with the secondary, the issues they're having there. It's a young secondary to begin with, and now they have a, a litany of injuries that have followed. The, this very much is about the Packers. I want to say I don't want to say it's not, but I think it ultimately is going to be what Minnesota Vikings team do we see come into Lambeau Field on Sunday afternoon? One, just from the physical standpoint, pretty banged up despite coming out of the bye week at, at, at meaningful positions. But two, they had such a, a dichotomy of games before their bye week. They played Seattle so tough, right? Went right down to the wire and came up short. They absolutely should have won that football game. And then they come back the next week thinking that, hey, maybe we should be able to knock off a previously winless Atlanta Falcons team. They're not able to do it. That's a really difficult way to go in the bye week. You and I always talk about, you know, there's probably one game a year where maybe we really are truly pulling for a big victory. And as a reporter, it's typically going into a bye week because those negative thoughts linger with the fan base. They linger with the locker room. It just it, it creates sort of this doubt factor, right? And I think that's something that the Minnesota Vikings are going to be really battling this week, in addition to the fact their secondary, more specifically that cornerback position, is really hurting here going into this matchup. Well, th- this is a tough Vikings team to figure out because, as you mentioned, they lost to the Atlanta Falcons when everybody thought, okay, this will be their get-well game, you know, chalk up a- yeah. another victory. That didn't happen. But yet two of the best teams in the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks and the Tennessee Titans, were both taken right to the wire by this Minnesota Vikings team. So, as you said, it's, it's sort of which, which team is going to show up. On the injury front for the Packers, we're seeing the Packers starting to get a little bit healthier. Alan Lazard, Christian Kirksey are both back at practice. So the 21-day window for them coming off of IR, where there's now the window for them to be activated activated to the 53-man roster, that clock is now ticking. But I think for the, the more immediate <clears throat> with regards to this weekend, the Vikings game, David Bakhtiari is back at practice. Yep. 
Tyler Irvin is back at practice. Darnell Savage, who missed last week's game, is back at practice. Now, Kevin King and Aaron Jones are still not at practice, and suddenly Mason Crosby is on the injury report for the Packers as well. So we will see what happens as the rest of the week unfolds there. But for all of the injuries the Packers have been dealing with, it seems that the the health trend is, even though there are 19 guys listed on the injury report, the overall health trend in terms of participation might be trending in the right direction. Well, this is why it's important, right? Because you and I don't know how many of these guys will legitimately be playing on Sunday, but the fact that David Bakhtiari was able to practice on Wednesday, that's a pretty good sign with the chest injury that I think everyone's sort of been, no pun intended, holding their breath over. Yeah. Uh, And then you look over at, at Tyler Irvin. I mean, a wrist injury like that that he dealt with early on and then it ends up sidelining him for two games, you really don't know what to make of that from the outside looking in. That's not a hamstring. That's not a quadricep. That, that's, it, it's a wrist. So it, it makes you kind of raise some questions in your mind of, okay, what's the forecast here for him? And then also the biggest thing is Alan Lazard being back. A core muscle injury, something that they went in and repaired, th- that can be a lot of different things. And I, I always go back to 2012. That injury kept out Greg Jennings for seven games. Yeah. Uh, now, again, we have to see exactly what the forecast is going to be here for Lazard, how much of a rev-up period they want to give him. But the fact that they did start that clock would indicate that they feel like he can get back here in the month of November. That is absolutely critical for this receiving core and, and seeing exactly what this guy brings. Because it's not just the number two receiver role. It's the fact that he can play in line. It's the fact that they can do reversals with him. Alan Lazard, is, as much as we've talked about him this season – He's a really underrated part of this offense now in in what they're able to use him and how they're able to utilize him, in addition to the fact that he can be a big play threat downfield. Yeah, and Andy's arguably the Packers' best blocker amongst the wide receivers as well in terms of helping the run game. And if you don't think that's a big deal, just go watch the film of the Houston game and Brandon Cooks for the Houston Texans. The guy didn't throw a block on the edge like yeah. the whole game, and Houston's running game suffered because of it. So I'll just throw that out there as well. But it's that extra credit plays, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's not stuff that's going to get you in anyone's it's, fantasy Are you team. a complete player when you step on the field? And there are some guys who are and some guys who aren't. And if you're going to do bunch formations like the way that Matt LaFleur wants to do them, you got to be able to block. It's critical. Yeah. Quickly, before we get to our, uh, our keys to victory here, Wes, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans, gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right, on the offensive side of the ball, if this, if this Minnesota secondary is as banged up as it appears, and if they are dipping into their depth chart as far as they may need to on Sunday, I know we talk about the running game, and certainly Jamal Williams, if Aaron Jones is sitting out another game, Jamal Williams will handle whatever load you give him. But boy, with the state of this Vikings cornerback group, you wonder if, do you not just turn the game over to Aaron Rodgers and say go? I mean, yeah. how... They, they had all their guys, granted, a couple of rookies, uh, you know, making their NFL debuts without any preseason games back in week one. But, uh, but this, cornerback, this cornerback group is, uh, is not healthy for Minnesota. Well, and the fact is right now, Mike, to, to underscore exactly how banged up they are, they have eight cornerbacks on their active roster right now. 
Um, when, when you see a team over sort of inflate a position over the course of the year, that tells you there's some concerns there. Yeah. It tells you that, you know, whether the injuries, the inconsistency, what have you, um, that, that's an uphill battle that they're going to have to climb. I, Mike Zimmer is as smart of a defensive coach as there is in this league. No Head question. coach, defensive coordinator, he's, he's there, right? right. Yep. I, I'm just really curious what that game plan is going to be because you know they're going to want to take Devontae Adams, and I wrote about it this week too. But if you try to take him away, what are you giving up elsewhere? Yep. And if you do live him in one-on-one situations, you see what happened last week with the Houston Texans. That's a huge, not necessarily a weak spot, because, again, I'm, I'm giving Zimmer the benefit of the doubt. He's concocted some magnificent game plans before, but that's just a major area of concern for me going into this game as it relates to Minnesota. The other thing, too, and this is no disrespect intended for the Vikings defense, because in a few minutes here I'm going to completely put their – their offense over, but there were so many years, Mike, where you look at the starting 11, starting 15 for Minnesota, and there's just playmakers all over the place. It doesn't matter if it's the defensive line, that linebacking core, or in the secondary. The names have kind of waned here a little bit for them. Yep. You still have Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, and obviously um, you look at their, you know, Eric Kendricks and what they have at linebacker, but beyond that, it starts to get a little bit sparse. So, um, Minnesota, if they're going to turn this thing around, they're going to have to do it unconventionally. They're going to have to get away from their blueprint the last few years, and this is a tough opponent for them to have to do that against. Yeah, this is a group that doesn't have any big names right now on the defensive line in terms of being able to pressure quarterbacks. So then you wonder, okay, is Zimmer going to dial up all of these crazy blitzes with Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith? But then if you do that, obviously you're leaving that back end, which which not only is banged up but is also very young as far as those cornerbacks. You're leaving them more vulnerable if you're selling out to get to the quarterback. So the Minnesota defense is in a tough spot. I will say this about that group, though. For as much as it has struggled this year as the Vikings have gone 1-5, and, and I believe they're ranked 28th in the league in total yards allowed and 30th in the league in points allowed, they are ranked 3rd in the league in 3rd down defense. And they are somewhere in the top 10 in the league in red zone defense. Yeah. So there are there are areas where this defense has risen up and made some plays. Now you wonder, how can you be 30th in the league in points but third in third downs? It's like, well, it's because the defense hasn't gotten the opposing offense in right. enough third downs. So from the Packers' point of view, you just you have to be on your P's and Q's. If it does get to third down, that's where that this defense has been at its best this year, and those are going to be the most challenging plays. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, and you know, not to correct you on this, but just to point out too, I mean, they, they don't have Anthony Barr right now either, right? Like he's he's been on IR, so they have Eric Wilson. No, then that's okay. Yeah. But Eric Eric Wilson Eric has Wilson been, has been yeah. the one that sort of stepped up. But that sort of illustrates what what they've been up against to this point of the season. It's yeah. been a lot of that type of things. And you know what, Mike? When you look at it, you can go back to some of these Packers teams that we've covered when injuries have really depleted them. 2013 sort of jumps off to me right away. When that happens, that's where you start to see the third downs wane. That's where you start to see the pass rush numbers wane. It starts with the personnel, and then it all sort of follows from there. So this has been a challenge for Minnesota. Again, I'm not saying they can't come out and play exceptionally well. It's Mike Zimmer. They can do it. But for Green Bay, I just think so much of it is – you built, you got your momentum back, right? You got your mojo back last week against Houston. If you can sustain that on paper, this is a good opponent to be able to have success against. Well, on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, when you look, when you look at this Vikings offense, Dalvin Cook is expected to be back. Alexander Madison, the number two running back, 
he filled in nicely at Seattle and, and cracked the 100-yard barrier there when Cook had gone out of the game. You've got Justin Jefferson, who is really coming on as a rookie receiver. He's got averaging 19 yards a catch. Uh, wasn't much of a factor in week one when he was making his NFL debut. Obviously, you have Adam Thielen, who's a proven pro, been there, done that. He's got seven touchdown catches. Kirk Cousins, though, 10 interceptions through six games. That That is the, the biggest bugaboo for this Vikings offense has been taking care of the football. And that's... That's the most important thing Minnesota has to get fixed. And if you're the Packers, you're looking to continue to disrupt Kirk Cousins, force him into some some inaccurate, uncomfortable throws that perhaps you can take advantage of, and the Packers can maybe get the, the turnover thing going their way on defense. Well, and ultimately, you and I can sit here and talk forever about all the things that have kind of worked against Minnesota to this point. But when you look at the takeaway numbers, when you look at the actual turnover margin – that's where they've really hurt this year because they have been giving it up too much and they just haven't been taking it away enough. Right now, 30th in the league, I think minus seven overall in turnover differential. So that's where those numbers show up. Kirk Cousins, when he was at his, his optimal point in this offense, and even going back to his time with Washington when he was in a real groove, it was that he was being efficient, he was being high percentage with his throws, and there just weren't the, the turnovers there. He was being safe, protective. You can call it game manager, you can call whatever you want, but he was giving his defense a chance to help them win these ball games. That's what's worked against them this year. Now, conversely, if you don't take the ball away from them, Minnesota really can still cause a lot of havoc, uh, especially if you get Delvin Cook back. I think Madison also has shown he can be a bell cow when they need him to be. But the big guy here for them, and it's going to be a problem here for the Packers in the next decade to come, is Justin Jefferson. Um, this young man has shown big play potential right off the bat, but he can also do possession stuff as well. He moves the chains, and he's been that compliment that they've needed for Adam Thielen here You know, since Stephon Diggs has had his ups and downs before the trade. And I, I just think that he's a really good complement for this offense and the vision of where they want to get to. And if the Packers aren't mindful of where Jefferson is, this guy can really make you pay. Well, if Kevin King has to miss another game, what are your thoughts on how Mike Pettin will match up as far as Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson? What are your thoughts there? You know, and I, one thing I'm going to be interested to do that I haven't been able to do to this point of the season, maybe I should have used the bye week for this, was actually sit down and figure out how much they've actually matched him against guys. Uh, to me, it still feels like mostly they've played sides this year and, and they just let him cover his island and, and take the rest from there. This is the type of game where you probably still want to do that because they can hurt you in a number of different ways. But Jefferson is a guy that you need to know where he's at on the field at all times. If it's Jair and you want to go with that and just give him that assignment and play off the rest of it, I have full confidence in him at this point that he can handle that no problem. If he's not covering him, that's where maybe you want to have the, the two shell. You might want to have a safety over top of the coverage and be aware of his whereabouts. But that's the other issue here is that the more attention you give a guy like Jefferson, the more that Adam Thielen can hurt you because he has hurt the Packers in the past. The more that a guy like Delvin Cook can hurt you as a receiver, as a runner, if you're not minding where he's at on the field. Minnesota still has all the tools to be able to play with anybody. The game against Seattle showed that. Yeah. But if you're, that, that's why, to me, it's so imperative that you take the ball away and you take the ball away early. They're going to have doubts in their head coming off the bye week. You'd be un, inhuman not to. You've got to make sure that you keep those doubts rolling there because there is one team that's 5-1 and one, and there's one team that's 1-5. and five. It's just what the statistics are. You have to go out and prove which one that you are. Yeah, I think, I think Minnesota, for as, as 
good a rookie and a potential rising star in this league as Justin Jefferson is and as reliable as Adam Thielen is, I think Minnesota's going to come into this game wanting to run the heck out of the football. You look, you look at the, Seattle, the game at Seattle, even losing Dalvin Cook, as I said, Madison ends up going over 100 yards rushing. That's how they're going to protect Kirk Cousins. That's how they're going to set up Kirk Cousins for success is to pound the ball in the run and try to establish that running game as much as possible against the Packers. And that's going to be a challenge for this Packers run defense, which has stood up pretty well again in the, in the Atlanta game, in the Houston game. The run defense was, was absolutely on top of things. But we've also seen some leakage in the run game in, in other instances. And getting back to the injury situation, I should mention as well, Tyler Lancaster was back at practice yes. yep. from his shoulder injury on the defensive line for the Packers. But I, I think Minnesota's game plan offensively is going to be to run Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison at this Packers defense as much as they can. Yeah, and you go back and look, Mike, before that injury that, that Cook dealt with there after the, the Houston game, or excuse me, the Seattle game, before that against Houston, 130 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Then against Tennessee, who's considered one of the, the front runners in this, in this league right now, he had 181 rushing yards in a touchdown. I mean, this guy was going off after he signed that extension, yep. and, and he's a guy that obviously the Packers are well familiar with. You know, Adrian Peterson for a lot of years gave defensive coordinators and coaches a lot of you know, headaches in the NFC North, and, and Cook has all those same, you know, you know, potential as well at 25 years old. Now, again, we're going to have to see. Obviously, he's ready to go, rip-roaring, but first game back, you know, do you see him play a complimentary role with Madison? That's why they drafted Madison. I mean, they wanted to be able to go deep. They saw what happened when they lost Cook in the past, and now they have two reliable options to turn to if, you know, depending on what the workload is or what they're looking to get out of Cook in this matchup. Yeah, all right. Well, week eight in the NFL, I want to get your thoughts before we go on some of the other games going on. I'll throw these out to you, and uh, you can start wherever you'd like. Indianapolis is at Detroit. I think that's a very interesting game, not only because, obviously, the Packers are going to be playing both of those teams here yet as the season rolls along, but... It's that age-old question with Detroit. Can the Lions build on a big victory and start getting something going against an indie team that is actually, I believe, the only team above 500 that the Lions are going to play over the next five weeks? Wow. So this is a... Spoff stats and info well, making its I, season I, I give, debut. I give credit to an inbox reader for okay. throwing that one at me. I, re- <laughs> I read that in the inbox when I was going through You could have just taken credit so, for it. I wouldn't have called you over. Um, <laughs> But I think that's an interesting one for Detroit, and obviously Indy is a team on the, on the Packers' schedule coming up. San Francisco is at Seattle, a big matchup in the NFC West. New Orleans is at Chicago, a gut-check game for the Bears after what happened to them on Monday Night Football. Chicago's on a short week now after a game that did not go well at all for them against the Rams. And then the big one in the AFC is Pittsburgh at Baltimore in the AFC North. So many to talk about. Oh, yeah, uh, I do want to get your thoughts, and I want to close on San Francisco and, and Seattle. So let's just put a little pin okay. in that one, okay? Because there's some things I want to talk to you about that matchup. From a pure football perspective, if Wes Hodkowitz wasn't going to be sitting in the press box covering a game on Sunday, I would be sitting in front of my television watching Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, that's just it's, – it's good. It's gritty football. I saw Adrian Amos tweet about this too, a Baltimore native – and he said, you know, when I was a kid, whenever that matchup was on, you just wanted to watch it. It's just the, the cultures, 
there's something that's special, Mike, because it's getting lost in the NFL now because of just all the constant turnover with coaches. Yeah. But when you actually have two established football programs, it doesn't matter what era. It doesn't matter if you and I are talking about 2008 or we're talking about 2020. The, the way that these teams play and the mentality, the way that they come together, it's galvanized in them. In that, and it's like the perfect sort of dance partner. Uh, that that game's going to be exceptional to watch. Well, I believe I read somewhere, and and don't hold me to this, but I, I thought I read that this is going to be the 25th meeting between Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, oh, yeah. which is which is like a new NFL record for two head coaches with the same teams going head to head. 25 meetings, and obviously number 26 will be again later this season. And who knows? Maybe it'll be 27 come January. Yeah, never know. Yeah. Uh, but but let's get away from the AFC. Let's talk about the the money conference here uh, as it relates to the Green Bay <laughs> yeah. Packers. Uh, it's so funny seeing New Orleans traveling to Chicago. New Orleans at four and two, Chicago at five and two. It just feels like two teams right now that are sort of shifting in different directions. Yep. But yet at the same time, I still feel like Chicago is a really good – like they have a good matchup here with, with the Saints. I feel like defensively, uh, them being able to play on their own turf, uh, they have what it takes to be able to stop this offense. The question's going to be, you know, the Saints now rank seventh uh, in the league in total defense – how are they going to match up with this Bears offense and who's going to be able to grind out these points? Because to me, this feels like one that's going to just sort of be this knockdown drag out war. Yeah, I get the feeling because you know how you know how the Chicago media is and how they cover the Bears. And I'm not saying that in a, in a disparaging no, way, yeah, but it is not just the media, but it's the fan base. And you get the feeling that if Chicago loses this one at home, the 5-1 and one start becomes 5-3, and three, that there's going to be this element of panic yeah. in Chicago about just what is going on with this team and where is it going. This is a really big game, I think, from a psyche standpoint for the Chicago Bears and the Chicago fans. And uh, and New Orleans, New Orleans in that NFC South, we've seen what Tampa Bay has done the past couple of weeks, and New Orleans has that one leg on Tampa Bay having beaten them in yeah. week one, but there will be a rematch down the road, and New Orleans is saying, hey, if we, if we want to win our division – um, you know, they've, they've got to, you know, keep up with Mr. Brady. Yeah, they do. And in Chicago, as, as we talked about with them having five wins and people question the val- you know, the validity of those wins, they do have a win over Tampa Bay. I mean, whatever you want to say of that yep. game and how it ended, the bears earned that victory. So as much as it is, if they lose this game, they're five and three, they're also six and two, then suddenly with two wins over the NFC South, uh, what looks to be a very competitive NFC South. So it'll be great to watch. I got to ask you about San Francisco yeah. and Seattle, though, because an insider inbox, somebody asked me, if you're a Packers fan, basically, who are you pulling for in this? My answer, for those who don't read it or just want to hear me say it again, <laughs> uh, is that me personally, I've never believed really in momentum in the NFL. Uh, the reason I say that is because you can have the, the You're game, talking from a week-to-week Week-to-week basis, standpoint. Not, not within, within a particular and game. And the reason is, I set this up story. is because the Packers yeah. are going to be playing the 49ers the next week. So if they win, are they really on a big streak going into it? Things change so quickly. The Minnesota Vikings end up playing Seattle really tough. I, I just feel like there's so many things that go into whether or not a team plays well other than the fact of what they've done the last few weeks. That being said, I feel like, yeah, this would be a game where if you're the Packers, you're okay with San Francisco beating Seattle because with there only being one spot now, one bye, right. you want as many teams picking up second and third losses here early in the season as you can with the understanding that the Packers can do something about San Francisco. They can turn them back here in what would be seven days. 
Seattle, you just got to kind of watch to see how all the other pieces fall. Yeah, Seattle is uh, Seattle's coming off its lone loss of the season, that crazy overtime game against Arizona. San Francisco, after a rough start, they've been dealing with injuries. They're still dealing with some yeah. injuries, but the 49ers have definitely righted the ship. They may be starting to put that Super Bowl hangover that we talked about on a previous episode. They might be starting to put that behind them. I, this, this is going to, I mean, just look at, remember the Week 17 San Francisco-Seattle game last yeah. year? I mean, literally decided by an inch at the goal line. On the, on, that's, that's how these teams play. And these who are, gets a bye? These are division I mean, rivals. Like, this is, this is what it comes down to. So, Am I wrong on that, though? Or what do you, how do you feel? It's okay if I'm wrong. No, no. So I, 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 tol- I totally agree with you okay. because of the number one seed being the only yeah. playoff position that gets a bye. I think you have to be rooting for the team that's behind in the standings to beat the team that's in front if if you're a Packers fan you want to see Seattle pick up a second loss yeah Absolutely. I just have taken more of an FBS sort of mentality to this now that you just want to see as many teams lose as possible and, and win out or as many as you can to be able to claim that one spot it's going to be I'm not looking forward to this playoff format but if this is the way it's going to be yeah this is the, the way, way it's got to be this is the way it is we'll roll with it all right well with that We'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of the coverage of Sunday's game, Packers-Vikings at Lambeau Field. It'll all be for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.